Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of the High Power Archery Podcast. Yes, it's been a long time since you've heard from us. There's a lot of reasons behind that. We'll be sure to get into it. But we're back. That's the important thing. And um, we've had a couple of episodes that were loaded and lost. And yeah, I'll get into that another time. But in the meantime, we have a guest on our show. Now, for those of you who listen to the Off-Center Archers, you may have heard of this guest before. Um... We're going to try to keep it clean for this one, but if we have a mistake here or there, it's not my fault, not his, it's nature. Anyway, I got Doug Marholtz, who's been on the Off-Center Archers before, and um, he's going to come here, we're going to talk about a couple things. You know, it's nice to have new people on the show as always, but uh, Doug, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you've been doing with the Off-Center guys when you talk to them. Um. Everything's good here. I mean, we're getting to the end of our state ASAs, starting to take over. Now we're building into our club, trying to get it up to standard to where we can start hosting shoots now that we've had leadership changes, which we'll get into. Ah, the leadership here. change. Yeah. It's always the money leadership change. Out with the old, in with the new. So. Yeah, so. But so- now I've been shooting for probably now almost five years all because of Anthony going up there for her vacation and going here, we're going to go to my range and here's a bow I got set up for you and see how you like it. Oh, by the way, I bought your son a recur. (laughs) (laughs) That's how it started. Ah, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's always good to get the kids involved and that's usually we suck in the parents sometimes. So I guess he knew what he was doing in that case. Um, Yeah. The kids, the kid stopped shooting He's like, I don't want to get up early with you, Dad. So, I just want to sleep in. I'm like, okay, well, I'm addicted now. So you're not. I'm, I'm at the, my range by usually by dawn. Ah. So I'm there until about from the second the sun hits the range to the till about noon almost every weekend. See, that's dedication so. in there. That only makes you a better shooter anyway, and that's what you probably need to do. Um, like you mentioned that you're trying to, you know, get some leadership straightened at your club. At my club here in New Jersey, uh, I had taken over as vice president for for the beginning of the year. And let's just say that doing that and you go in there with all the greatest hopes in the world, trying to make a difference, trying to change things. And then you see the other side of things and you find out what people are really about and how not nice some people in membership can be. You're like, you know what? And you're giving your whole life towards this thing. I mean, at one point I was putting in maybe – 27 hours a week into the vice president's role, which handled memberships and stuff like that. And I was getting nothing but grief from other board members and from the membership. And it got to be to the point where I couldn't do my podcast. I had other stuff going on with the family. And I just say, you know what? Enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. And I flat out resigned. Um, Tried to change some stuff. Didn't work. Didn't get, and it's not like you're looking for appreciation, but at the same time, you think you get in there, try to make things a better place. And, Instead, you get hit with all the resistance in the world, and I didn't particularly care for that. So I was like, yeah, this is not for me anymore, and I just flat-out resigned. And they couldn't find anyone to replace me, and then they started realizing, I guess, all the stuff that I had been doing at the time. I still managed the website, but, yeah, yeah, I was like, dude, this is not the place for me. They finally got someone to take the job, and, you know, best of luck to her, but I'm not sitting through two meetings a week and the whole thing. And, And not for nothing, part of it is you have to be on these board meetings, and basically, they're like two hours, three hours long, and all people do is argue. And wow. I'm, I'm not into that. And then if you couldn't make it for a meeting, you know, I had a funeral to go to, and I couldn't make it for one of the meetings, and I got my head bitten off for that. I'm like, yeah, no, this is definitely not the place for me for to do this. 
Yes, I go there with the girls all the time. This is where we shoot. It's 24 hours. And I'm happier being just a member, or in this case, the webmaster who has to do just a little bit of stuff here and there, than actually being on the board and being, you know, up there with it. I'm like, it just wasn't worth it to me. But I hear that you've got similar issues over there where you try to take over and change things for the better as well. Oh, yeah. The funny, listening to your story is like, wow, we got it easy here. We don't have that kind of problem with board meetings and stuff like that. There's, you know, our officer group is a group of five of us. Uh huh. Um, I'm the range master. My wife is the treasurer. Um, and she doesn't even shoot. She just wanted to be supportive to the club. That's great. Because <laughs> it's something I love. Yeah. Um, and then we have our secretary, president, and vice president. But, you know, we're always in communication with each other, so we really don't need uh, official meetings. Mm-hmm. You know, but then we're also just starting out Take after we've taken over from the club, from the old leadership. One, uh, our president was elected in last year to allow our, at the time, our current president to be able to step down and not have to deal with it anymore. He was like, I'm done with this. I need somebody to just take over. And he quit six months in. Yeah. But that caused a big hoopla who was in charge because by our bylaws, the only standing member left was our secretary. <laughs> Everyone else was kind of like, we're, we're done. Yeah. And then we had our supposed VP of maintenance acting like he was full board in charge. We're like, no, we need to have an election. We need to get someone, we need to get reelected the vice president, a president treasurer and all this stuff. And, you know, we got a bunch of heat and flack for it, but we got out of it. We got, we got people in there that wanted it. And oddly enough, it was basically just the five of us based. It seemed like nominating each of us for these positions and no one, no other participation of our 170 something plus membership said anything. Yeah. It was, it, it's the weirdest thing. You know, you, you want participation in the club and no one wants to participate, but they want a bitch. Yeah. I mean, it was the same thing with, it was the same thing with our club because basically the vice president that preceded me, he, he had all kinds of medical issues and he could not continue this year so back in November, yeah. they had he vacated the position right before you had to do billing for the upcoming year, and billing's all done manually. It's, I mean, I I'm in computers and I know how to do you know how to organize stuff on an Excel sheet and all that. But the stuff that I got was completely disorganized, and I put it all together and I made it work. But the the bigger thing was that nobody wanted to take the job. Literally for about a month, he a month or two, he wasn't doing anything, and nobody wanted it. So finally, I'm just sitting there at a board meeting, and you know, because I was a webmaster at the time, and they had me get onto the board yeah. meeting. And I'm listening to the stuff, and I'm like, "Listen, listen, listen! If no one's going to do it, I'll do it." You know, what I mean, at the time, I had no idea I was jumping on my own sword <laughs> you know, to, to, to do that. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh yeah, this would be fine. You know, it'd be great." And then all of a sudden, I find out what it's really all about, and I'm like, "Yeah, that, now I know why he didn't want to continue doing this." And it got to me to be so bad. I was like, this is horrible. I, I cannot do this anymore. And it's a certain point where you have mental sanity that you want to maintain. And that did not yeah. work out for me. But, you know, we all stress, well, you you know, for archery to grow, people have got to get involved. You want to get involved with your local club and all that. 
But when it comes down to oh, it, yeah. you find out nobody wants to do that. And it's the few no people. No one wants to help. Yeah. No one wants to volunteer to go, hey, we're having a work party to help clean up the lanes, do this. And the people organizing it are the only ones that show up. And every now and then you'll get a couple of stragglers going, oh, I'll help. Yeah. And, like, and for okay. what it's worth, they at this range, they have a you know great outdoor range captain who who manages everything yeah. out there. And he gets people come down because we, we have like 20 acres over there. And they've got to cut down yeah. trees. They've got to get the paths cleared and all that. And that's great that they do that. But getting people to volunteer for those work parties, it seems like it's the same people every single time, maybe 10 members who actually do it, and the rest of them don't do anything. And yeah. when you have a membership of over 150 people or whatever it is, and you have that few few uh, you know people participating in it regularly, then that, that kills you. And, you know, they were charging – you know, they, they charge – you have a certain amount of work hours, and if you don't make the work hours, then you've got to pay – Six dollars an hour, or whatever it is, or ten dollars—I forget what it was. Ten dollars an hour at the end of the year oh, wow. for the work hours that you didn't make up. So the membership yeah. is relatively inexpensive, and you pay your work hours. Yeah. So some people just opting to pay the work hours they didn't care, and I'm like, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But when it turns into everybody doing that, that's an issue. And then with COVID, since they said the club was literally closed for half the year, it was closed for a couple of months where you couldn't have anything in the indoor shooting except for like ten people at a time. Um, yeah. They said, we're going to cut the work hours in half. And then that turned into a whole other billing issue and people wanting credit for this. So I prepaid my work hours last year. And then it just completely gets to be monotonous and crazy. And then you see the really bad side of people. And I'm like, you know, generally there's nothing wrong with people. All people have something good and something bad to them. But when it comes to things like that, you really see the bad side of people. And I was like, I'm not interested in seeing the bad side of people anymore. That's why I let it go. <laughs> But, you know, clubs are a great place to learn from other people and to get involved. Um, sometimes yep. there are some people over there that you don't <laughs> want to be around. But Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. we have the same thing here, same kind of work ethic here with our with a lot of our members that are always trying to help out each other. Yeah. We're always giving each other pointers. We're always, you know, oh, dude, your, your grip on your bow is just not right. You're, you need to hold it like this. And trust me, you know, and a lot of them, you know, some people just like, no, leave me alone. I just want to go off to the private lands. Go right ahead. But yep. if you're at the main, our main area where everyone, you know, we have our 20 through the, our 100 targets, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's kind of always goofing around, talking, always coming up, helping each other out with their form, whether it be, you know, the grouping, you know, and all that. But when it comes to our participation for helping around the range, you know, that's where, you know, a lot of our members are just like, we, we'd rather, if we could, we'd rather pay more just to come shoot and leave. Yeah. Like, really? You don't want to take pride in what, you know, what our club is, but Hey, if that's what you want to do, we can do that. And I think that it's not just limited to us. I think this is a problem that goes on in all clubs all around the country, all around the world for that matter. It's like everybody wants to have access to the resource, but nobody wants to do the work that is involved. Mm -hmm. A very small percentage of the actual membership are willing to do the work. Now, we're a private range, so you have to be a member in order to go there. So we we, we used to have like a public shooting night, which is like our Friday night shoots. And that was the only time that people could come in who weren't members. And the other time you come in when you're not members, when you're shooting a league because you don't have to be a member, or if you're shooting one of our 3D shoots or one of our indoor target shoots, something like that, you can do that. 
But I think, you know, I've heard this from other people in different parts of the country. I, I actually had a guy in Sweden who was starting out a club. And he was telling yeah. me, you know, our biggest problem right now is trying to get people to help. I'm like, yeah. okay. And that's the biggest problem that everyone faces right now. You want to have a good thing, and it's important that you have good people because otherwise what starts out as a good thing will slowly deteriorate into something bad or it will fall apart, and it won't be there forever. Our particular mm-hmm. club has been here since the 60s. And it started out in a small, a small place, and then they moved it to this place that they have, and they built an indoor range. They have the outdoor range. It's open 24 hours. So it's yep. a great thing. A lot of people don't even know it's there. But it's based on a core group of members who take care of everything, and the rest of them basically yep. take it for granted for what they have. Because if you, don't, if you don't care for something, it might not be there forever, and it could disappear just as quickly as you found it. And we're oh, trying yeah. not, to, not to do that. And I, I tell you, it's really, really hard. And I can only imagine, like, with all the stuff going on at your range over there, you know, once you get into the weeds and you're in, you're in management and stuff, you start to find out about other things going on behind the scenes that you didn't know oh. about. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, yeah, we hit, that, we hit that minefield just running within the last month when we, we took, took over control at the beginning of last month. And when I reached out to, to you about doing this. Yeah. That's when we first took control, and then since then we we keep finding little minds like, really, you're doing all this, no club approval, just you know, spending money at Lowe's and Shell and whatever have you with the the club card, and you have no receipts to show for it, and but you act like you're the club's god because you did everything around the range for by yourself. Exactly. Well, when people tried to help and offer help you snooted them off. Mm-hmm. And now we see, now we're kind of like opening our eyes like, wow, you really didn't do much. You just played it out like you were doing a lot. Yeah. I mean, luckily we're, a, we're, our club is located in a um, county park. So a lot, you know, a lot of the trimming and stuff, the park comes in and does for us. Obviously our 3D range is yeah. literally our deal. Mm-hmm. The, the, the park can't get back there to mow or trim. We have to go do it. Yeah. But, for, for for our field lanes and you know in the general upkeep, the park takes care of. That's great. So you know your our maintenance is kind of fairly low, but on the other hand, I mean, like I said, the guy was the guy our maintenance guy who was doing everything for us. You know, we're we within the last six months, he spent two grand and at Lowe's. We're like, where's your receipts? I don't have them. Really. What about the two or three times you're at Shell? You have receipts for those? Nope. We're like, yeah. and we're like, we're trying to rebuild the club to where we can have NFAA shoots here. We can have ASA shoots here, and we're like, we're in a hole already. We got to dig ourselves out. Yeah, I, but I, we, I, I get that sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> but it's just funny. It's it's it, it, we love our, the people who are now dedicated to getting the club better. Some people are starting to turn around and go, wow, you guys are really wanting to change. We had one member turn around and go, she wants she wants to be more a part of it, and that's when I reached out to you. Yep. She wants to start a Joe program and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, and that's so where like, you want to go. You know, you want to, you want to start out with programs that are going to bring people to the club. Um, yeah. there, there are some pitfalls with that, too, just so you know. If you start out a Joe Ad <laughs> program, because then – now, you can have a free JOAD program or one with a nominal fee, and then you have other JOAD programs where people charge premiums to get into them, and there's waiting lists and all kinds of other craziness that goes with it. Um, 
I'm not saying that's the case with the club that I belong to, but Joe had program and club I belong to, and I don't even teach as part of that one. Um, they have a severe waiting list on that one. And right now, Joe has been canceled because of the whole COVID thing. And I don't think they're restarting until the fall or whatever it is. My Joe Ad students, we've gotten them going and all that. It's not as big a group as I usually have, but they don't shoot at that range right now. So I'm like, okay, you know, it's hard to manage at the same time, but that those programs do bring people into the fold, as it says, you know, and yeah. you have to have something like that because not for nothing, if, if you don't have, a setup like that. And this goes out to all the people who are listening to this, thinking about forming clubs. Cause funny. One of, one of my listener questions has to do with setting up a club. But if you don't have something that's going to bring people in, then people are going to start to look at your club as kind of like, you know, snobby exclusive sort of thing. Oh, well that's just for guys who know how to shoot. They don't want to teach anybody new over there or anything like that. And there's a lot of people who want to learn. And since the whole COVID thing broke out, not for nothing, the people from different parts of, different walks of life are getting into this. They're getting into archery and want to find out about it. Now, some of them are just like, you know, wham, bam, thank you, man. I want to try it. I didn't like it or I'll try it. And it's, you know, a flash in a pan and they're done with it two months after they start. But for every one of those, I got another person who actually sticks with it and loves it. And at the same time, I've got people who shoot compound and I got people who shoot trad and they, and then sometimes the clubs, not for nothing. I was a member of a club, not this particular one that was like that where it's either all trad or all compound, and the two of them hate each other. And you can't oh, yeah. mix lines with the two people. I'm like, for real, this is how it's going to be. I actually left that club because of that. But you'll see <laughs> things like that. Now, me, yeah, I'm a certified coach. I do my whole thing. I've been doing this forever, you know, the whole whole nine yards with it. And people just know me as a compound shooter. I started out yeah. shooting traditional recurve and Olympic recurve. And I was taught how to do it. And just because you don't see me do it, when people go down to the outdoor range over here, they'll see me with a recurve bow sometimes. Why? I prefer to relax with a recurve bow. <laughs> you know, I just go and have a good time. But then, yeah, you know, when I get started, I just went right to compound. I'm like, I don't have time to learn that. <laughs> I'm in my 40s. I don't have time to learn that. <laughs> so I shoot my recurve. I don't have for, the <laughs> I'll shoot my recurve for giggles, you know, and I also hunt with it, but I'll also do all my long distance hunting with with my compound and I shoot, you know, professionally and target and all that with my compound. It's two different, mm-hmm. two different things, but you have to be open to everything. And I think that a lot of clubs fall into the click of either. This is a compound club or this is a recurve club, but it's not both. And you can't be like that. So I'm sure you yep. have a mix of both types of types of people over there at your club. Oh, we got, we got it. We got everyone here. I mean, our main instructor, Andy, she, she shoots Olympic recurve. Uh-huh. But she teaches everyone to, when they come in for you know the beginner classes. They we have all these recurve bows for her to use, and then to use, to learn on. And then you know if you want more advanced lessons, she'll teach them off. You know she'll pull them off to the side. We don't have any other programs other than kind of like the beginner courses. Yeah, that's about all we have here. Um, you know, but we do have we get a lot of everybody but majority of the people i see here are majority um compound target shooters you know um our 3ds do pull in all the trad archers <laughs> for yeah. sure mm-hmm. we got to the point to where we actually started doing a 3d here here's a 3d just for trad guys go have fun yeah you know and they'll have they'll come out once every three months and do a, a whole day where they'll go out do the do how many, however many targets we put out that day, 
and then come back and do little like trad um, games, mm-hmm. like a running bear and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you know, you, so you try we, to keep it interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We have, you know, like I said, majority of our group, our members are very open, very friendly, you know, but there are those, you know, don't be that guys here too. <laughs> I mean, every, every club has them, you know? So when I first started listening to you and I started hearing the don't be that guy, I'm like, I'm, uh, I, I, I can name off the guys right off the bat. In fact, my first trip here was with my son and I ran into that. Don't be that guy who goes, Oh no, we're doing something over here. I'm going to go unlock one of the targets over here. You guys go over there. Yeah. But this is the public range over here. No, no, no. We're we're busy. We can't be bothered because I had my son with me. Oh boy. So I saw later on exactly how they work because that was my first experience with them. Okay, whatever. But I was I was dedicated. I wanted to, I wanted to learn. And then as I got to know these people, I I started seeing them do it all the time. It's like really, just because they have a child with them, you're going to push them off the main target lanes and don't even kind of invite them in and help them out. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. see, I see your game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we so, know that there's so many of those types in every club and yeah, mm-hmm. you, you either got to root them out or you just got to tell them like, this will not be accepted over here. You got to get with the program and you can't. Oh, that's make exactly it, yeah. that. That was one of the main reasons why the group of us that, decided to try to take over leadership here did it because we're tired of you know the fact that they wanted to try to make the club still kind of private there's no you know big advertising for it we're not a we don't take part in any of the event shoots in the area we have a lot of yeah we're in florida for crying out loud (laughs) we got a lot of a lot of freaking Events that go on. I'm I'm constantly at ASA shoots. Our president's constantly at ASA shoots. Yeah. He's up for shooter of the year down here in Florida in the NFAA shoots. So yeah. he's, you know, that's the kind of person we we needed. Unfortunately, our past presidents were, you know, basically retired and didn't want to do anything. Yeah. Uh-huh. And if you're not involved in the sport, you're not going to bring in people. Yep. You can't have competitions at your club. You're not going to get people coming out of town to check out to go to shoot. Go, wow! This is actually a nice course. I'm not that far from here usually. Mm-hmm. I can come here now. Yep. And it's just the stuff that we want to do to grow the club and get you know, obviously, like I said, the Joe Ed program. You get the young in. You know, we have constant people here. Yep. So yeah, our our deal that's was where we're at. our deal was always you know. And my own personal thing with, with high power archery has always been, if you want to learn, we're willing to teach you. And it doesn't make a difference what financial background you come from. If you can't afford it, whatever, everybody mm-hmm. can learn no matter what. And yep. unfortunately, some places make it very snobby. So you can't They're like, well, you have to have your own equipment and you have to join and you have to do this. And they try to, they try yep. to root out and exclude a lot of people from it. I never particularly cared for that thing. Unfortunately, it's something that you see a, a lot and I never really yeah, appreciated I- that sort of thing. Yeah, every time any new time new people can't come here, you know, um, I'm always going. They're like, "So what's the what's the deal here?" I'm like, "This area here is public, and the two end lanes right by the gate are public. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you guys can come in here anytime, whatever have you. 
benefits of membership are, you know, straight up this. You get the codes to all the locked um, targets to where if you want a private lane by yourself, you can unlock the target. That's yours. You yeah. don't have to worry about anyone coming over there. Um, you get the, the lock combination for the main gate. So that way you can just drive up to the main target area instead of parking. You know, a, uh, I'd say our lane is about, eh, about a half a click yeah. from the gate. Who wants to walk that with all the equipment sometimes we carry? Okay. Nobody. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it, and then obviously your your funds help pay for the targets, the upkeep, and everything else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And nine times out of ten, when you tell the people that, they're like, oh, where do I sign up? Exactly. You exactly. Know, but we're on it. I'm always honest with them. You don't have to be a member. There's public lanes here and here. Here's the benefits of being a member. It's not that expensive. See, so you give them a small taste of what they could have, and if they if they can't yep. afford to be a member, at least they have the public lanes there, and eventually maybe they will become a member when stuff changes for them. Yep. And like you know, I was waiting to do this. I can afford it. I'm going to do it now, and that yep. that's great. That's very great. You know, unfortunately, up here in the Northeast, it's a little harder to do that sort of thing. Most of the ranges yep. are all private, as you would say. Um, in our case, it's a members-only range, but you can join as a membership. I think the membership for a year is like one hundred fifty dollars or something like that. So it's not that much. Other places, yeah, ours is, uh, you're going to choke at ours. Ours for a single member membership is fifty and seventy-five for a family. <laughs> oh man, wow! See that that makes so, all the difference in the world. So it's not that expensive, and if you're joining now, it's prorated. We don't <laughs> charge you the full fifty. It's, 25, 30 bucks. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that sort of thing, you know. We prorate it. You, you know, we, no. we get this sort of thing, and we get people who always want to come and try stuff out. And in your case, they can try yep. it out, and it's great. You know, it if you have access to people who know what they're doing and are friendly or willing to help others, then it only makes the place yep. more better. In my case, yep. I could be at the indoor range. No, A lot of people, first of all, about 80% of the membership who doesn't know who I am. Even on the webmaster, they know me as probably the webmaster, if at that, because they maybe mention me once or twice at the meetings um, when everybody's dialed into the meeting or everybody's there in person. But aside from that, no one really knows who I am. Now that I was vice president for a little bit of time, they all know me and they all probably hate me, so I care less. But, um, you know, when, when I'm at the range, people don't know who I am or what I do. So when I try to yeah. help somebody, they're like, oh, you, you kind of know what your stuff. I'm like, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, just a little bit, just a, just a wee bit. And then they, you know, they, they actually had one person say, you know, I was listening to this podcast and the guy really knows what he's doing. You should check it out. Cause maybe you can contribute a little bit to it. And I'm like, really? What podcast is that? And he said it was mine. I'm like, Oh yeah. I heard about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then somebody goes, in, one of my girls goes in taps. And I'm like, you know, that my coach is, that's his podcast. And he's like, no, he doesn't sound like that guy. I'm like, yeah, that's that's his podcast. Here, let me call you on your phone. Then you'll really <laughs> hear the mic difference and the, the yeah, voice change. Because, like, right now, um, getting into the here and now, what you know, we're I've already started to put stuff on YouTube. Now, YouTube is a whole other animal to deal with. Whatever, I started recording some videos for it, but the videos got lost. But I st- I started converting some of my podcasts into YouTube videos. Like, I think I managed to get yeah. one of them up there. And then you got to get a certain amount of subscribers before they give you a vanity URL. Otherwise, it's like YouTube.com slash 18-digit characters for your YouTube channel. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, 
great. I've got to hit 100 subscribers before I get my vanity URL. That's wonderful. Uh, that's wonderful. <laughs> okay. So I, I think I put up one one podcast and just believe me, trying to engineer those things to turn them into videos from an audio podcast, it's a whole other nightmare. Um, oh, no. Doing that, putting one, I think I got like 40 subscribers in the first day. So I'm like, oh, maybe this won't take that long at all. But I'm in the process of doing that. Aside from that, no one really knows, unless they've been to one of my seminars, what I look like. And like <laughs> they know me as the voice. They don't know me as anything else. If you've been to one of my seminars, then they definitely know what I look like because I'm up close and personal <laughs> when I'm teaching people. Even when I'm doing tuning seminars, I'm like all over them. Like, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. This How are you going to do it? What do you mean you don't know how to do this? All kinds of stuff like that. So a lot of these people don't know that it's actually me at the range. And I'm like, that's fine with me. I don't care. I'm still willing to help anybody. But I find it comical because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I heard of this podcast. You should really listen to it. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, maybe. It sounds like the guy really knows what he's talking about. I don't know. And and for the life of me, when they do find out who I am or whatever, or they go to – I had one person come from the range to one of my seminars and not know it was uh-huh. me teaching. They're like, oh, you're here for the seminar too? I'm like, yeah, I'm teaching it. They're like, what do you know about this? I'm like, uh-huh. Uh, you find out. <laughs> you know, just sit back. Sit back, relax. Sit back, break out your notebook, and let's go. Uh, you know, we, we take it from there. And, you know, starting a USA archery program like you want to do over there, if you got somebody who's a level two coach, they can start their own Joe program. That's all you got to be. You got to be a level two instructor, and you can do it. And like yeah, I said. one level three, and but she doesn't have time to do the coaching. So we're, you know, Angelica wants to become an Start, who wants to start the Joe program yeah. is going to go through all the paces to get it. And then some of us officers now, mm-hmm. we're all like at least going to get a level one level or a level two. So that way, not only do we know how to, while we're running the club, but then we feel better when we're teaching, telling somebody how they do their, how to shoot or how they're doing their, yeah, and- how they go about Things. And basically, the level two course is all taught in one day, and you get your certification and all that. Yep. Um, if you can't find a local level two course to, to you know to go to, then let me know, and maybe I'll go down there one one weekend and just do it myself for you because I teach them. So <laughs> I can go down there and do a level two course for you. Everybody be all good and happy, certified, and you go on your merry way and <laughs> do what you got to do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I can also help you set up the program and all. It's very easy to do. Um, Joad is very rewarding for a lot of kids because they can earn pins and all kinds of other, you know, achievement awards as they go along. And it's, oh, yeah. like, and it's not based really on competition because it's what they're doing in their own competition with themselves because they're trying to make yep. a certain score. They're trying to do this and they, they find they're trying to reach and attain that. It's all about them. It's not about anybody else. So some of them work mm-hmm. harder than others trying to make it. And it really is rewarding for not only for them, but for the coaches. And if you know how to teach the right way, don't get me started on that one. Uh, if you know how to teach the right way, and it has nothing to do with having the skill, it's how to deal with people. If you know how to teach them the right yeah. way, then there's not going to be a problem and everyone will learn. And again, right now, our biggest problem that we have is YouTube. This coming from oh, yeah. a person who's about to put some videos on YouTube, but our biggest problem is YouTube because everybody, their mother, their first cousin, and maybe even their their long lost uncle has got a video on YouTube about how to shoot, and most including Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> and most I had to say that one. You had to, didn't so you? I had to. I first saw that video, I was like I was doing it wrong the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> 
and most people don't don't know how to let alone teach someone how to shoot, they should not be doing a YouTube video on it. I think I can count on my one hand how many good videos there are on YouTube, and they're few and hard to find. Dudley's videos for knock on are probably the most instruct you know instructional and easiest to understand. Other people, I'm telling you right now, if you listen to half the stuff they did, you'd probably put an arrow through your arm. So I'm like, here's why I'm glad I'm not a YouTube freak. <laughs> You know, because, you know, I, I talked to Anthony. Anthony says, if you got to watch a video on anything, watch it from Dudley. All right, that's all I had to hear. I don't, I'm not going to go deep dive on YouTube. Cause I hear the horror stories from him through the podcast. I'm like, yeah, uh, I'll, just do, I'll just listen to Ant. Now down, <laughs> by, now, down by you in Florida, <laughs> I'm sure that everyone goes to the pro shops to get set up because you don't have a, a pro shop associated with your range, do you? Uh, No. Okay. The closest one is about two miles down the road, okay. and they don't really associate with us uh-huh. because the owner is a bit of a dick. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, he's the that's the one I was uh, I had mentioned to you before we started was the Hoyt purist. Okay, you know, yeah. you go in his shop with anything but a Hoyt, and he gives you guff. And I've talked about those types on the show before. You know, and it's what just like. like I'm like, I'm just here to get strings put on. Well, you're not shooting a hoy. Like, really? You're just, you know, and then he overcharges. It's like, really? Yeah. You know, I went in there with arrows that I needed to cut because I had a competition coming up. I didn't have an arrow saw. My buddy who normally cuts them for me was at a, a national shoot. I'm like, oh, no. So I had to go to him. He charged <laughs> me almost two bucks an arrow. I'm like, fudge. Wow. If I didn't need these arrows cut, I wouldn't have gotten them done. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, killing me, Holmes. Yeah, you know, at our, uh, but at, yeah, at our, and range, then the other, yeah. mm-hmm. go on. Yeah, the, and the other, the only other shop we had, they it was in a gun shop, and they closed it. Mm. I'm like, so my only choices are, I think the closest two are over an hour, hour and a half away from our range. Yeah. So that kind of sucks. <laughs> and, and this range, this range of yours, doesn't have any kind of like indoor clubhouse or anything like that where you can set no, stuff up. We're all there. outdoor. Mm-hmm. Beauty, 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 and the downfall of Florida. Yeah. Nice weather, nine times out of ten. Hot as heck afternoon. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I mean, right now here in New York, we've had hundred degree weather in the last couple of days. It's absolutely insane. Um, we're not Florida. We're up in New York for for crying out loud, and we're getting 100 degrees out here. So humidity is a Yeah, Florida weather thing. here, it, it might be 80 degrees, but that humidity is what's going to kill you. Yeah. So it's like I'd rather be yeah. in Afghanistan than be in New York or Florida when it's 100 degrees. But uh, yeah. that's a subject for another day. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, if it gets 100 in Florida, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> you don't want to be anywhere outside. But, you know, with without having a, a pro shop that can support you guys, sometimes you have to rely on the membership. They're like, okay, we have a guy that if you need to set up or tune your bow, he can help you out with this. And, like, over yep. here at the local local outdoor range, because it's a public range by my house, yep. um, there are no shops on the entire island. There's no shop here. I have the only yep. pro shop, and it's built out of my house, uh, that I run over here. But with everything lately, I've got people calling me, I need to get this done, I need to get that done, like, sorry, I'm busy working or I've got other things going on. I can't do it, you know, and right now we're in, we're in the beginning of July and I start to get the, um, what, what I call the, 
the hunting fever rush where people are like, oh, my yep. God, it's July. Hunting season opens up beginning of September. What am I supposed to do? And they, oh, no. they start piling up and piling up. Or they try to do, you know, the biggest pet peeve I have is if you want to learn how to do this, not everybody can do the same things that I do when it comes to tuning bows without any kind of professional instruction. If you need oh. to do this, learn to do it. But they go and see something on YouTube, and they're like, oh, I can press a bow. I got money. I'll go buy a press. I'll go buy all this stuff. And then they wreck it. And I've had guys come yep. to me at knocking on my door at 11 o'clock, which anyone listening to this, please refrain from doing that because the me that you get coming to the door is not going to be pleasant if you do it again to me now. <laughs> and the person that, that did it to me the last time, he's probably listening to this. So he knows exactly who I'm talking about. But for someone to knock on my door at 1130 at night, and say, hey, man, I put my bow in the press, and I don't know how to put it back together again. So he took it completely apart, and he gives me a bag with cables and strings and his bow and says, I need to leave for my hunting trip tomorrow at 6 a.m. Like, Are you kidding me? So this guy, he, I tuned his bow once. He put his bow, you know, and... He says, well, that, that looked easy, and I worked with him in the shop for a good hour because he had gone to other pro shops and nothing was right. I fixed them all up. He gets in his head from watching me do it for half an hour that he goes spend $3,000 on equipment. I mean, he bought all the best equipment you can think of, spent $3,000 on equipment, and declares himself a Bowtech. I'm like, no. are you kidding me? So then he goes and he wrecks his own bow, and it's been bad ever since. And I'm like, dude, there's some things people are not meant to do without proper instruction. This is one of them. No, but it's so simple. And on YouTube, I even see see them doing it. And I'm like, no. There's a the key word, YouTube. Yeah, it's YouTube, which is the worst thing in the world. Just, and if I need to look something up, I go to Archery Talk. I'm like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> You're going to Archery Talk to look up answers to your problems? Like, my goodness, nope. what are you doing? But that's the sort of thing that we get. So if your range has somebody there who can do all these services – and maybe has a business on the side and they, you know, cause the whole thing is you have to be careful with that also, because like I'm a registered business. I pay my taxes. I have everything. And if you got somebody at the range who's doing this for people like, Oh yeah, it's $50. I'll cut your arrows. I do all this to get you all set up. I help you out sooner or later. It's going to come down to like, you know, have they been, you know, are they a registered business? Cause they might get sued by somebody who's bow blows up on them and stuff like that. So they have to protect themselves for that sort of thing. So usually being associated with a range is better. But if you can't, as long as they're running a legitimate business, there's no there's no problem with it. But even if you just have somebody who's there saying, "Listen, um, like me, if I go, if I I would prefer, especially with COVID and all that, that people not come to my place all at one time. So I have my yep. my arrow saw, I have a DC converter in in my car, and I'll just throw it on yep. the back gate, put it over there. If someone needs arrows cut, meet me at the range. I go over there and I cut it right at the range." You know what I mean? Plug it yep. into my car. Boom, boom, done. I can do everything in my car that I can do in my shop with maybe one or two exceptions. So if you have somebody who's got that kind of setup, great. You know what I mean? You all get together. You all chip in 40 bucks for an arrow saw each. You get yourself a really good yep. arrow saw. One person has it one week. It goes to the next person as long as you can keep track of it. There's no nothing wrong with that. And then before you know it, it pays for itself. You know what I mean? Maybe as a club donation, you use the arrow saw at 10 bucks. Here you go. After, guess yeah. what? After people use it 20 times, it's already paid for. You know, those are the kind yeah, of yeah. things that you can do. Um, there's a lot of stuff that you can do with, with that, you know, to help each other out. Um, as long as you don't, you avoid the snobbishness that comes with, oh, we're an exclusive click and nobody else can come in here. And, you know, or when new people show up, 
nobody wants them to shoot with them and stuff like that because I've seen that sort of thing before. You know, uh, they're new. Oh no, no, no! This, this, this. You know, they they can't shoot with us. And I had that happen already with a couple of guys who who shoot pro in ASA. Like I'm registered in ASA. I shoot. I am registered for the pro division. Yeah. Have I been to an ASA competition in a few years? No, because the closest one to me is about six, seven hours away. So I'm mm-hmm. like, why am I going to do that? So I haven't done that. But I have other people. You know, our 3D range is really good. Um, and I have people who shoot yeah. together in groups, but they will not have anyone new shoot with them. And I tell them, I said, how are they supposed to know how to learn if they're not shooting with people who have more experience than them? And they're like, that's not our problem. Like, oh, okay, then you're exactly part of the of the problem that's out there. Cause if you're not yep. going to teach it to anyone else, people are going to get, you know, shied off by that. They're going to get angry with it and they're never going to want to do this again. But me, I don't care if it's a beginner or not. You want to shoot in my group, come shoot in my group. I don't care. And then what I prefer to shoot in yeah. groups of people that are better than me, because that's how I get better. I watch what they're doing, pay attention, you know, and every now and then they'll drop a nugget for you. Yeah. And I try yeah. to teach them as we're going along, like this is what you're aiming for. If you see, if you look at the binoculars and you see that they probably hit a 12, whatever it is, then shoot for the 12 and shoot for their arrow. That's, you know, like you really can aim at their arrow. If you're sure it's in the right ring that you want, sure, now you have an yep. aiming point. And they're like, I never knew that. Like, yeah, well, this is the sort of things. You have to learn how to shoot your angles and all that. And occasionally oh, yeah. I'll get one of these people who has no idea – about my past shooting experiences or when I competed and stuff like that. Cause even though I'm still listed as a pro, I really don't compete that much anymore. Um, they're like, Oh no, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, you, we're, we're doing our own thing over here, but we're, we're the best at what we do. And it's been, I can count them on one hand, but a couple of occasions where they were talking that kind of smack. And I said, you know something, put $50 on the table Let's go shoot the course and see what happens. And I wound up being up by 19 or something like that. And, and, and these guys are like, what the hell? I'm like, yeah, dude, just because you don't see me do it don't mean I can't. And when I come here, I shoot for fun, that sort of thing. But if you want to get stupid with me, yeah, then you'll see the bad side of me. And the bad side of me yep. can shoot pro, pro level because I am a pro and I will blow your doors off. And then we'll go on with our normal lives. <laughs> this is what happens, but you got to be open to all kinds of people coming in. Now, granted, I don't know if you've seen it over there, but over here, oh boy, how can I put this nicely? And I'm not saying I don't like these people. They are all different, but I get the hipsters who come to us now who are like, hey, this is the new sort of thing. And okay. And like I, like I tell, you know, I, no, we we deal with dumb rednecks. <laughs> That's what we got to deal with. We don't we don't have too many hippies or yuppies. And if we do have any yuppies, they're shooting trad and you yeah, know, not to knock on them, but they nine times out of ten know what the heck they're doing. Well, like I tell Anthony, and Steph, I, I said I <laughs> I don't care what color you are. You could be black, white, yep. purple, blue, brown, orange. I really don't care. If you want to learn, I'll I'll help you. However, I, I I must admit I do have a bit of a problem when somebody's walking around with fairy ears on and stuff like that to increase their performance. I <laughs> I literally had a girl walk into the range wearing a fairy costume and fairy ears because she says that she has to look the part when she's shooting a trad bow. I'm like, okay, if that's what okay. you're into. <laughs> you know? 
you know, I, I, I don't know what, what they think this is or whatever, but hey, if, if they're shooting, I, I don't care. You know, I, I just find it weird and try to keep a straight face, which is not easy in a lot of these cases. But yeah, this is the sort of thing that we get. And if you're just dealing with what we call hillbillies or the rednecks, you know, I've got those up by my property upstate and I run into them when I go to different shoots in New Jersey. There's nothing wrong with them either. And not for nothing, don't put it past somebody. Yeah, except for what? The only problem I have is I had, we, we had one out here. Uh, it was just after we get done with the work party. Yeah. And he was just shooting all kind of crazy. He didn't know what he was doing. Constantly hitting the the wood around the target. And we're like, oh, God. And we tried to help him. And he just was like, I got it. I got it. I'm good. I'm good. Unfortunately, we had to leave. Some of us had to leave her as soon as we were done. Yeah. Because we had our plans. And Cal left him here. We're like, okay. Then we come out the next day. And wouldn't you know it? There's an arrow in our lawnmower that cuts the grass here. Way off from where the targets are, yeah. like, and I recognize the arrow. I'm like, "Who's that dumb redneck from earlier?" <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> he hit my. Luckily, he hit the he hit the lawnmower in the cushion. But if it would have gone in the front end, we would have been okay. Now we can't pull out targets, can't blow our blow our three D range. What are we gonna do? <laughs> Jeez, but it's just it's it's those people that's like. We can help you. Yeah. We shoot regularly. If you see my bow, I shoot a uh, uh, PSC Perform X. Yeah. I say I know what I'm doing if I'm shooting that monster. Well, well, well you know, and there's people There's people who, who actually walk in. Um, you see it more up here in the Northeast than you do in other places for some reason. I don't know why it is. But you have people who have know absolutely nothing and walk in with the yeah. most expensive rig you've ever seen. And yeah. I had somebody walk in with a brand new Hoyt. I mean, he had an axle sight. He had the latest SmackDown stabilizers on there. The total mm-hmm. cost of this bow with his arrows. And he had X10 arrows. I'm like, why is this guy running around with X10 arrows and he's never shot a bow before? I think he spent like $5,000 on the rig. And he's uh-huh. like, well, they just set me up at the shop. I'm like, they set you up for professional arrows, X10s. Really? How long have you been shooting? Two weeks. I'm like... You, you've got to be kidding! Me. Yeah, you shouldn't be shooting those. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, uh, I like a set of X tens myself. I can't afford them. <laughs> so I, I look at this guy and I'm like, for real, dude? And, and he's like, No, no, no. But they said it'll make me a much better shooter. And I, I guarantee you, I can smoke anybody here. You know, with this rig, and I don't even have to have all that much experience. And, and that's when it went from the newbiness to arrogance. And I'm like, Okay. It's time to teach okay. him a serious lesson. That's when you pull out a stinger and just funny and, you mentioned that fast <laughs> pro, pro um, arrows. I'm like, okay, shot for shot, buddy. I I actually uh, <laughs> one of my students had a bear carnage. <laughs> I took this old carnage and I said, "Tell you what, oh no, it's two it's two inches short on my draw. It's only shooting forty one pounds. Um, let's shoot a, <laughs> let's shoot a three hundred round." At three spots, not not a single spot. We'll shoot a 300 round at three spots, and I'll spot you 25 points, and let's go. He goes, oh, this is going to be easy. I said, okay. But if you lose, okay. then you agree that you don't know anything, and it's time to actually start learning because your equipment is meaningless. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, but I'm not going to lose. I'm like, okay. So at the end of the 300 round, I had shot a 297 with 24 Xs. 
on a bow that was literally two and a half inches too short on me. Uh, <laughs> and that I didn't sight in. I was using the kid's sight. Like, okay. And this guy shot a 193. I'm like, $5,000 rig, you shoot a 193 with 1X. And that's because chances are you had to hit an X sooner or later just by the odds. Like, yeah. okay, so do you understand? He's like, I don't get it. They said this, and it still couldn't get through his head that aggressive spending means nothing for talent. <laughs> so he's nope. like, oh, my God, really? Uh, but, you know, it, it, this is what happens, and this is what you see at the clubs. And, you know, I think that everything will go right with you trying to steer your club the right way. Um, hopefully my club straightens out and gets to go where it's got to go. Um, you know, but that, that's one of those things. So if you can't get a level two out there to teach a course or uh, someone to teach a level two course for you, let me know, and I'll see what I can do to get down there on a weekend. We'll schedule up the whole thing. It's not a big deal. Uh, in the meantime, I've got a couple of listener questions, which you might get a kick out of. Uh, oh, go right ahead. <laughs> the first one, Gerard D. from, get this, Sydney, Australia. Now, this is not the first time he's written me. Uh, he goes, hi, okay. Coach. It's been a while since you put out a podcast. I listened to every show with a few of my shooting buddies. We were all wondering if everything was okay, and it's been so long since we have heard anything. Hope all is well, and please do write back. We are also trying to start our own club. I handpicked these out because they refer to the subject we're talking about. We're trying to start our own club yep. here and wanted to know the best way to get a kid's program started. We see what you do with your students on Instagram, and it's simply incredible. Maybe we can't pull off results as spectacular as you have, but we like to get the local kids as well as our own kids involved in archery. Again, I hope all is okay, and please get back to us. Well, getting local kids involved in archery, and I think you can speak to this as well, is very simple as long as you have something that's going to keep them entertained. So if you're teaching them and not just giving them the bow and say, here, go for it, and walking away from them, I think they'll want to learn because kids are into instant gratification sometimes, but if they're not having fun at what they're doing, they give it up real quick. So oh, yeah. I think as long as they make it fun for them, I mean, like from, from my kids over here, I have zombie targets and ogre targets and all kinds of other crazy stuff, but just showing them and then saying, here, if you hold the bow like this and you draw it back like this, you're going to hit the 10 ring and they hit the 10 ring. Um, like you said, you want to get kids involved over there with a the Joe ad program. And I find yeah. The easiest way for me to do it is to put the target really close. With a, I put a, a 50 centimeter target in front of them, which is meant for like yeah. 50 meters, and it's so big. Yeah. And guess what? They can't help but hit the the, the center ring, no matter what. And just seeing, yeah, we them, have a nice little, yeah, we have a nice little uh, practice area for basically for coaching only. Mm-hmm. It's got the 50, four 50 meter target there. Yeah. And it's maybe 15 yards from where they would be shooting. Yeah. And I think that once they see, oh, I got success doing this, then they want to come back and they want to do it more. And that's really all it takes. Just keep it fun mm-hmm. for them and, you know, keep it interesting. So for Gerard out there, you're listening to this out in Sydney, Australia, just keep it simple for the kids. Put a big target out. Let them hit it. Let them pop balloons. Let them do whatever it takes. Because once you get them hooked, they're going to keep coming back and back and back. And I think your own kids will enjoy it as much as every other kid in the neighborhood. Now, our next question comes from Mike L. from Omaha, Nebraska. And he writes, I just found your podcast and would like to say it's totally awesome. Well, thank you. Lots of info to digest, and it's all and it's all been such a super help. I booked a trip out to hunt mule deer with two of my friends, and we were so excited. Excited till I spoke with the actual guide, not the guy at the show, and found out that the average shot we would have to take was between 50 and 80 yards. Oh, boy. Uh <laughs> 
None of us have ever shot past 30 yards, and now we're worried about wasting all this money if we can't hit something, or as you say, even worse, wounding something. My pal Ed wasn't concerned till the guide said we had to check out on their range before going into the field and show them we could hit at least 50 yards and a paper plate with our broadhead setups. Oh, this is getting funny. Uh, now it's got us thinking we're all going to lose all this money. I know you don't work miracles, but is there anything we can do? Yeah. Uh, practice. practice. <laughs> Lots of practice. Lots of practice with the actual implements you're going to use. Start out at 20 and 30 and just keep on extending it. The thing is that people forget. For me, I shoot 127 to 135 at max. And that's only because the equipment starts to get a little bit funky after that. But if you remember that shooting 120 is the same as shooting 10 yards and you keep your form the same and all that and you don't worry about it, there's not that big a deal. And if you go into into it with that mindset, you're not going to have a problem. But as I've told many people, if you go and you're shooting at 40 yards and are just hoping to hit the target, you've got the wrong mental set to begin with. Go in there knowing that if I execute my shot, I'm going to hit it right, and then there's not going to be a problem, and I think you'll find you'll be fine. Now, this guy's out in Nebraska, so he's got the wide-open fields to practice with and all that. Um, Mm -hmm. not, not for nothing out here in the Northeast, the typical person has never shot past 20 yards. So when they see me, they get pissed off. They're like, why is this guy putting his target at 80? I'm like, I'm warming up. And they're like, but, but you're shooting 80. Like that's unethical. I'm like, it's unethical. If you can't hit what you're you're shooting at, it's also unethical. If you're wasting people's time by shooting 20, because you're telling them they can't shoot any further than that. And I don't know if you see that down in Florida or not, since you guys have mostly no, outdoor ranges, you probably don't. Most of our bow hunters here, they're they're you know most because of because the game you know the game down here, you can easily just you're, if you're set for twenty yards, you're good. But most of the guys who come to our club practice about uh, practice their shot at forty and fifty on a constant basis. Yeah, they don't you know they'll sight in as normal, but. When they're out here shooting at the targets out here, they're always on the the forty and the fifty because yeah. they know there might be that chance that they're going to have to hit some farther. Yeah, and they want to be confident that they're going to hit it, and that's the way you want to be. And like I tell people, as long as you know that you're doing the same exact thing at ten that you're doing at a hundred, there's not going to be a problem. But if you start thinking like, "Oh my God, it's a hundred, that's where you're going to run into your problems. And as long as they're doing the small increments, I think these guys are fine. When I replied to them, I said, "Here's a plan for how to do this," and I mapped out a couple different steps to do it. One of them got back to me last week because, I mean, this, this note came out to me about a month ago. And uh, I got he says, hey, man, I'm already shooting 46 yards. I'm like, great, keep going. And by the time that you're ready to go on that hunt, which he said was late September, I think he'll be at 60 and 70. He should be fine. So, you know, yep. there, it's not, there's nothing that's impossible unless you make it impossible for yourself. And that's the most important thing for people to remember. Our last listener question comes from Jeff K. from Whitestone, New York. That's right around the corner from here. Uh, love the show. Got a quick question on the bow setups for you. Oh, you're going to love this one. I visited oh. a range here in New York City for the first time, and he mentions the range name. Oh, I know those people. I was just going. <laughs> I was just looking to get some arrows, and the guy told me I was shooting the wrong setup. I shoot 71 pounds, and my draw is 30 inches. Normally, I shoot a 300 spine like you suggested to me once before because he's written to me before, and I told him the exact setup to use. But this guy said it was totally overkill, and I could go with a 400 and be just fine. 
He also said I was wasting my time with fixed blades and should go with mechanical because they are so much more reliable. Funny thing is, he didn't have any 300s in stock anyway, and kept pushing these Easton 400 spines he had there, which happened to be that, that spine that he was telling me was so great. What do you think? I told him I have to come back, so I just didn't spend my money there yet. Please point me in the right direction if you can. Thanks, as always, and keep up the good work. Well, <laughs> if you want to shoot a 400 spine at 30 inches of draw, yeah, um, first, if you decide to do that, make sure nobody's around and make sure it's a bow that you don't like very much because it's probably going to blow up. Uh, <laughs> second of all, <laughs> I know the shop he's talking about, and they push whatever they happen to have on hand at the time. And the sad part is most shops up here don't stock anything other than 400 spines because that's like the most common thing that they have. But that's no excuse for telling somebody they can shoot a 400 if their setup is wrong just because that's all you have in stock. I mean, for real? Hey, hey, I've since wrote, written back uh, to him and said, dude, order him from Black Eagle or something like that online. Do not go and drop down to a 400 because it will be disastrous. Plus, it won't tune for anything. And he's gotten his other arrows. And he went back to that shop at the same time with his new arrows. And the guy's like, you're really shooting the wrong spine. And he's like, just bullseyeing everything because they have a little indoor range over there. And, and, and nah. like, you know, this is the problem I had with some salespeople who just sell what they want to sell because they have it. But when they start changing the rules and saying, no, you, you shouldn't be buying this just because I don't have it. You should be buying this because I happen <laughs> to have it. I mean, lack of information is a dangerous thing. It really is. And I'm sure you see it over there yeah. too. You'll see people oh, shooting yeah. weird stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and like I mentioned, I mean, yeah, go ahead. It, it, I, I see people shooting weird stuff all the time, but uh, it, as a, you know, when it comes down to brand and stuff like that, shoot what works for you. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's a Hoyt, PSE, Matthews. Every, it, it's just like shoot. If it's one's going to fit somebody else, totally different, and shoot better for them. Exactly. And when it comes to arrows. You can't play with that spine because you're, you're wrong one way, too wrong. You're asking for ah, time to buy a new setup because I just blew up this one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when I go to ASAs and they have the speed limit and all that, but I've seen guys, like I like I told uh, Anthony and Steph, I've seen guys that shoot, uh, you know, I think it was a 500 spine shooting 80 pounds. I'm like, just to get oh flat speed, God. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But that sort of thing. I can tell that that's an experimental thing where they're trying to get around something, thinking this could give them a mechanical advantage to do it. But in this case, it's just someone trying to sell them something that they got and tell them they got the wrong thing so they can sell something else. And as long as people are in it for sales and stuff like that and not in it for the good of the customer, you'll always have unscrupulous people who do that. Um, this particular oh, place yeah. is known for that sort of thing. They will sell anything to anyone without it being the right thing. If it's hanging on their shelf, they're they're going to go ahead and try to sell it to somebody and tell them the best things. I can't get, get rid of it. I can't <laughs> get rid of it. Like, Got to move that inventory. It's totally right? for you, but I'll make it work. And so now we're done with the listener questions. Now we're to that part of the show where normally I get to rant. But if you want to rant along with me, be my guest. The Don't Be That Guy segment, which has been missing for so long. My goodness. Now, I may have mentioned something about this type of guy that you shouldn't be before in the past, but only having interacted with a certain person in the last couple of weeks who is 
very well known in our industry. Let's just put it like that. So what I'll say this time is there are people who have one personality in public and a completely different personality when they're not. And if the camera's not on them or they're not doing something for a video, they are completely different people and not always for the better. So this week's Don't Be That Guy goes out to those people who have that persona in front of others but are completely different once the spotlight is off of them. Now, some of these people include industry celebrities, pro shooters, you name it. One particular person who shall be go remain nameless. However, he knows exactly who he is. And what I'm going to say is this. At an event that I went to, this dude was there, and he's very well known. And he portrays a completely different person when he's on YouTube and when he's dealing with people at trade shows, that sort of thing. And he had a kid come up to him and say, hey, can, can, I, can I get you to sign my bow for me? Sign my bow for me. You think you'd be honored? It's a kid. And it's a little kid. kid's about 12 years old and wow. wanted him to sign his bow for him. And in front of me and about 20 other people, he's like, look, kid, I ain't doing that. I don't sign anything for anybody. And frankly, I got better things to do with my time. And I'm like, what? And the kid was heartbroken because apparently this was like his hero. And guys, not anymore. anymore. (laughs) He's on TV. He does. He does some hunting episodes and stuff like that. And before anyone starts thinking, no, it's not John Dudley. He's probably one of the most real and human people you ever deal with. It's not him. But I won't mention who it is. But I'll just say, I talked to him after that. I said, dude, not for nothing. Kid just wanted that. He goes, look, man, you got time for all the little people. I don't. I got sponsors to deal with. I got contracts to deal with. I don't have time to be signing everybody's thing over here. Because if I did and I started signing autographs, I've had a million people lining up for me. I said, well, first of all, humbly speaking, I don't think you'll have a million people lining up to have your autograph. You're known to some people in the industry and about nobody else who doesn't watch the outdoor channel. So I from that care less. Second of all, um, if you're going to keep on treating people like that, you're going to wind up treating the wrong person's kid that way. You know what's going to happen? It's going to get back to the wrong person who's going to go ahead and go to someone who knows one of your producers or one of your sponsors, and they're going to dump you like a bad habit. And if you think that karma's not going to catch up with you, it is. He's like, well, that ain't going to happen because no one's going to say anything, and I don't have to make time for the little people. And I said, oh, okay, sure. Here's the other consequence of what can happen. If you ever do that to any of my kids who would ask you for your autograph or something like that, and trust me, none of them ever will, Let's just say one day I will personally beat your ass to a pulp in front of the cameras and no one will do anything about it. And then I'll just blame it on an episode of PTSD and no one will care. And I'll get away with it. Are we clear? And he's like, look, man, just don't bother me with stuff. I'm like, oh, trust me, I won't have to. Somehow I think this is going to catch up with him eventually. But I I bet you've heard of people like this too. I mean, there's some people, you know, especially if – most people don't even know who Jesse Broadwater is unless you're into archery. And he's yeah. one of the best shooters in the world. The one thing about Jesse Broadwater, yeah, you go and you talk to him, you meet him, you shoot on the line with him. He is one of the nicest people you will ever deal yep. with. You know, he, he'll take time. He could be shooting a competition, whatever. He'll take time to talk to somebody about doing this or tuning this. He doesn't care. Another one who's like that, who's not arrogant, is Tim Gellingham. Again, not a name that everybody in America knows. But if you're in archery, you've Mm -hmm. heard of him before. 
Tim's oh, only Tim's only problem is once you get him talking, he's not going to stop. <laughs> so he's going to keep going and keep going for hours. But these are yeah, great last time people. I was up in South yeah. Carolina, I met Jack Wallace. I was like, uh, and he was just, he was just the nicest, most you know helpful guy out there. I'm like, oh my goodness. So again, the, the, these are these are real people whose personality on and off the camera matches who they are. Mm-hmm. That's why and they can't be acting like that, especially in our now cancel culture oh, yeah. society. Because just that little incident caught on videotape and blasted on YouTube, yeah, you just lost all your sponsors because now all the people who followed you will think you're a total douchebag yeah. and dump, and cancel you just like that so, and, and don't even get me started on this cancel culture i can't stand it anymore i think it's the stupidest thing ever but so, now we got to worry about it so again this goes out to all those people who have had the good fortune to be where they are mm-hmm. to earn a reputation don't be that guy who's one thing in front of the camera and another thing completely off because if you're going to be a great person on camera and a complete and total ass off camera it's going to catch up with you or I am. One of the two. Neither one is going to be good. <laughs> but it is what it is. <laughs> and there are so many people like this. It just annoys the ever-living goodness out of me. Yes, I almost said something. But no, I didn't. So <laughs> it is what it is. But there's so many of these frauds out there. And I, I just can't stand it. And if you're in the spotlight and you're going to big tournaments, something like that, you're going to see the guys who are great personalities in person and mm-hmm. not in person. And they're not faking, and then you're going to see those ones who are like just all smiles and giggles for the camera. The minute the camera goes off, they're like the worst human beings on the planet. And unfortunately, there's a lot in every walk of life that we come from. It doesn't just have to be archery. There's people in business. There's people in all kinds of things, political positions. You know, all sports have that problem. All sports have that problem. Uh, politicians have that problem. A lot of people have that problem. Um, but don't get me started on politics. But anyway, so we've been on this for an hour. It's been, you know, enlightening to say the least. We we should probably do this again, um, especially oh, when you yeah. get your stuff going rolling over there. Um, you give me an update. You're, you're you're kind of a regular on on uh, Anthony and Steph's podcast, so we'd like to have you on here at least maybe once a month, once every other month, whatever's convenient for you, because uh, we can always talk about other stuff, including doing a Target Archery podcast, which we discussed before the call. I think that that would work out fine too. Um, yep. I've got a ton of inf- information on that. that Get a three-way, me, you, and Anthony. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Steph. have to do it on off-centers, though. Yeah, Steph, Steph would have turned, <laughs> just that statement, Steph would have turned something into something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if people want to find out more about you, where can they find you on Instagram or any, anywhere like that? Uh, right now, I'm on uh, Instagram, I think I have mine is uh, Dougie Marholes. At Instagram, um, I don't have much of a Facebook thing going on yet. I, yeah. I, I, I'm bad about that. I take <laughs> pictures and I forget to upload them, or I totally forget to take pictures because I'm so busy and focused on what I'm doing at the moment. Yeah, been there, done that. Um, <laughs> but I, like I said, you know, I, like you said, I normally pop up on the off center archers with Ant and stuff, and that's about it. Yeah, I mean, if we if we get all you know all. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. This is how many is that? All four of us on the same podcast would be interesting to say the least. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. all right. 
<laughs> I, I at least I think it would anyway. But uh, yeah, this has been this has been great. Um, I know you guys have targets for this week's 3D shoot over there and stuff like that. Yeah, we have two days. Uh, I'm going to start editing this podcast uh, sometime this afternoon. Hey, I, I hope. Dropping any bombs? So no, no, no. <laughs> Believe me, that most of my podcast editing is editing out like little bits at the at the front, little bits at the back. I really care less about the middle because we try to keep it clean. <laughs> the the one or two times if that I have had someone on who's gone completely ballistic on there, yeah, I had cut off like twenty minutes of airtime on it. But we don't have to do that. Oh with my this goodness! One. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He just went completely yeah. bananas. Um, and I, I've I'm had gonna a, get a boy from Anthony going. <laughs> you were clean. How the heck were you clean? Yeah, I, I actually had one guy that I left the podcast on the cutting room floor because he he had gone off such a deep end. It was a really entertaining podcast, and we talked about stuff we had been through together. But it was. Um, yeah, too much. That's uh, you, you send that. You send that. You send that recording to Anthony. You go. You want to release this as an off centers <laughs> oh, special boy. edition? Yeah, that, that, he'd, he'd be like, "Song." <laughs> so you done know, and done. that that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. As always, if you want to find out more about uh, High Power Archery, you can find us at highpowerarchery.com on Instagram and Facebook as well. If uh, you have any questions, feel free to send us an email at highpowerarchery at gmail.com. As always, it's, uh, it's never goodbyes until we see you next time. And we'd like to thank Doug for coming on the show. And, uh, again, take care and good shooting, and uh, we'll see you next time.